Well, we're here with Brian Dirksen, and it's such a treat and an honour for us to be with you, Brian. You're, I think it would be safe to say, a vineyard legend. You've, you know, you've been around. Uh, I don't think I'm being rude if I'm saying a long time. You know, you started young, uh, and you've written just so many amazing songs that have gone well beyond the, the vineyard. You know, I grew up in a Church of England church, and we sang your songs growing up. So. I mean, people will know them all. Uh, Finest Fire, Come Now is the Time, Faithful One. Um, so we are so excited to have you with us at Life in Your Church. We're launching into a new preaching series on worship. And in the mornings, in the evenings, we're also looking at intimacy, which is really linked with that. So we know you've got lots to share with us, lots that we'll really benefit from hearing. So uh, we're going to launch straight in with been in an 18 month pandemic as I'm sure you're aware um, I don't think anyone has escaped it and one of the biggest things it's impacted has been worship or at least worship as the western church has done it for, for, for many decades you know with the stage and the big sound and the band and suddenly we couldn't meet we couldn't sing and uh, all the ramification for that and churches across the globe have, have been grappling with that and so just as a really amazing songwriter, someone who's in the vineyard. I would love to hear just what you feel like God has been speaking to you, whispering to you, just how the Holy Spirit has been nudging you in this season, specifically to do with with worship. Well, uh, Tom, thanks for that. Thanks for having me on this. You know, I, I love having these kinds of conversations. And I think when we have these conversations, we realize that we're we're all different, but we're all hearing some of the same whispers, some of the same. We're having some of the same stirrings, right? And we are we are in a in a time where we are having a a beautiful opportunity to um, restart, reevaluate, you know, all of those things. So maybe. If I can answer this question maybe in a couple of different ways, um, the first thing that comes to me that I've been, and, and this was really started for me before the pandemic happened, um, and that was, and I love, I really appreciate actually that you used the word whisper because that's one of the main ways in which I hear, I feel like that. God and get inspired as I hear these whispers, I hear these gentle nudges, right? And um, when we talk about, okay, well, what is worship? How can we reevaluate? What's the heart of it? And all of that. Um, for me, it's actually come down to something pre-singing, pre-any um, gathering or anything, and it has to do with my uh, breath, my what, what some call the breath prayer. In other words, bringing worship back down to something that's so elemental and so foundational. And, um, you know, one of the, uh, the um, words for God that um, is, you know, thousands of years old, and, you know, scholars don't know fully uh, how to pronounce it, but the, the one of the main closest ways is Yahweh, right? This, and but what the interesting thing is when you stop and think about breathing in and breathing out, it sounds like that word, like right? So it's like it's like 
worship is dialing in our awareness that every breath is a gift and it's the inhale it's the exhale and i i was feeling really you know uh, struggling with some anxiety some stress some the pace of life i'm i'm kind of a i'm a i'm a, i'm a ponderer is one of my nicknames <laughs> you know brian the ponderer like i, I like taking time to just be in something and ponder it for a while and sometimes the freneticness of modern life just is not doesn't do me good and i had many times even times when i was in busy crowds or about to catch a flight and was gonna maybe miss my flight and waiting in a long queue i would hear the whisper you know do the breath prayer like just pray my name you know one of my breath prayers is abba you know like and it just like i remember this distinct time i i was gonna miss my flight for this meeting and if i missed it the whole point of the trip was gone and i just spent that hour in that queue breathing aware of it aware of god aware of grace so so and and in the end i was the last person to get on that plane but i spent that entire hour completely at peace and i thought you know worship isn't just some one hour we get to spend together singing our songs and getting a, a high and then kind of slowly descending and crashing the rest of the week and then getting our next fix like worship it is can be as consistent as every breath we take as as a sense of devotion as a sense of gratitude a sense of surrender the first way i would say well what do i feel like what's stirring on worship and that for me it's like we take this opportunity to go back to some really foundational live ways that we live and breathe and the second thing is um and maybe if it's okay with you i'm 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 going to i'd love to actually sing a song in a moment just to actually unpack this what i'm going to say because i think the song says it better than i can say with a whole bunch of speaking that's more that's that's more than okay brian it's more than okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> and that is that i want to i feel like the spirit is inviting us into a more um jesus centric uh, worship where we are receiving uh, thinking about meditating on um, who Jesus was how he lived how he died how he how he interacts with the broken people in the world in other words I mean there's there's a there's a book out uh, by a guy named Brad Jerzak called the more Christ-like God um, there's a sense that in that even in that phrase i can feel a, like i i feel like i want to say to worship leaders you know let's lead more christ-like worship uh sets let's lead let's write more songs about who jesus was because if we don't we get pulled into grandiosity into 
all these songs about the greatness of God, the almightiness of God. And I, I sometimes describe it as like, it's like there's not much difference between Zeus, between all these other ancient thunder gods and this God who controls everything and is going to smite the, you know, the sinner and... And it's all this kind of like us and them and all this kind of grandiose language. And I think Jesus comes into the scene and goes, let me walk among you. Like, let me wash your feet. Let me love the unlovable. Let me be your servant. And there's just something about that. So in Philippians chapter 2, Right there's there's what many scholars call the Christ hymn of Philippians two, and they believe that these words you know which often start in our many English translation who being in very nature God did not consider equality God something to be grasped or you know that this was an existing song that was being sung in the early church. Now why is this so important? In my opinion, it's so important because. As another preacher, Daryl Johnson, said once, and I've never forgotten, he says, it's like this passage is saying, this is what it means to be God. Like, again, we think of God in this kind of like Zeus-like way or something, and, and along comes the incarnation, along comes the reveal, the unveiling of God as, well, servant and even that word uh that we translate servant in our our english bibles is actually much more commonly translated slave in other words that that this god has bound himself to be with us to serve us to lift us up not to strike us from above with his almightiness, but to come beneath us and lift us up, you know? This is the Christ that we see in in the Gospels. And I think when I say I feel, and I've been feeling, honestly, I've been feeling this before COVID, but I, the more we go through as a human race, the more I watch, you know, stuff, the more I feel like this is the Jesus that is Lord right i often think um it sounds weird and most people probably would hate this but i often think there's a case to be made for singing some of the christmas songs all year round because because they encapsulate the incarnation and the humility and the tenderness and the vulnerability of jesus so well but then we only get them out in december do you know what i mean and and but but they they address that message so wonderfully right and and you know and for me i had i i recorded a christmas album in 2019 and for two years leading up to that i was singing christmas songs all year long i was writing new ones and it was one of the most amazing seasons and i think actually that helped prep me for this whole what's coming what we're in the middle of and so anyway but i could say more about it but let me is it okay if i i know like this isn't like studio this is like demo i literally just finished writing this a couple of weeks ago okay and virtually nobody's heard it but when you ask me that question i go well what do i think the spirit stirring and worship it's these kinds of things so i i give it as a as a sample as an example and maybe some of you 
writers can be thinking and inspired of what could you do with you know writing songs about who jesus is so. i love it well tell you what brian why don't you get your i don't know if your guitar or piano and, and i just thought why don't i read it out why don't i read the christ hymn out whilst you're just get getting yourself ready um and then we can just go from there so this is philippians 2 and it starts like this have this mind among yourselves which is yours in christ jesus who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross therefore god has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we think about ourselves we should be reminded of the mind of Christ was God through and through, yet he never tried to use it to grasp privilege. Fully human, fully divine, he brought this union to the cross and died. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. Humanity declaring Jesus Christ is Lord, for the Son has revealed the glory of God the Father. about ourselves we should be reminded of the mind of Christ he was God through and through yet he never tried to use it to grasp privilege fully human fully divine he brought this union to the cross and died and at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth humanity declaring Jesus Christ is Lord, for the Son has revealed the glory of God the Father. He emptied himself, it was time to unveil. 
God's nature to the world. So God exalted him to the very highest place and gave to him the name above all Every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. Humanity declaring Jesus Christ is Lord. For the Son has revealed the glory of God the Father. When we think about ourselves, we should be reminded of the mind of Christ. Wow, thanks, Brian. I I want to do a round of applause. I don't know if that will sound too good on the podcast, but that was uh, that was really great. Thank you. We really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, fresh out of the notepad as well. You know, we heard it here first when that hits the top of the CCLI. Um. Oh, yeah. Going in that direction, but it's just—it's just been helpful for me. You know, it's like as I'm as I'm wrestling with all what's going on in the world and everything, and I'm just going for a walk. I'm thinking about this, and all of a sudden, I just start. When we think about ourselves, we should be reminded of the mind of Christ. And I just start. He was God, and I just start thinking about Jesus. I start thinking about well, the reason why He's Lord. You know, instead of Caesar being Lord in the context of when that was originally written, is because he he didn't try and get the highest place. He went down to the lowest place. He knelt down. He he washed people's feet. He you know what I mean? Like it's like that's what it means to be God, right? Not to be like Caesar like or Zeus like or whatever, right? And I really love how I love how you say that, how when I think about myself I should be reminded of the mind of Christ because that's what the Bible tells us that, you know, Christ in us, the hope of glory, our minds are being renewed. But sometimes it's almost like we try and get ourselves out of the way to a certain extent. But actually, I love that. And we don't often sing about that, the fact that, you know, we have Christ in us. So I love that connection between looking at us, the people of God, and then having our minds drawn up to Jesus through that. Yeah, well, and that's kind of how that, I mean, the the actual Christ hymn in Philippians 2 traditionally doesn't start till the phrase, who being very nature God, but when Steve and I were looking at this and wrestling with the song, go, uh, we need to start the song with the verse before, right? You know, so my, our paraphrase of it is, when we think about ourselves, we should be reminded of the mind of Christ, like, because that's kind of what the, that's the setup, and then you go, okay, he was God, right? For us, we sing he was God through and through. Um, anyway, like, so this is... I really liked the line as well, where you said uh, it was time to unveil to the world who God was like. I really like that that sense almost like a like a like a revelation you know like a an, a, an apocalypse maybe do you know what I mean the unveiling well that's of- what it means and 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 that's again back to that daryl johnson statement that's what it means to be god now it was time the lyric goes he emptied himself it was time to unveil god's nature to the world 
oh, it's not like Caesar. It's not like Zeus. It's not like that, you know. So because he wasn't like that, God exalted him. But God did it then to the very highest place and gave to him the name above all names. And then we sing love like God is love. Like, could you say Caesar? Like in that, con- you know what I mean? Caesar is Lord, but was Caesar love? Was he unconditional love? Did he lift up the poor? Did he did he give the blind sight? Did he, did he forgive people? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like... It's it's quite it's there's a reason why this Christ hymn right in the heart of the book of Philippians is so important and it's almost as if we go we almost want to go past that to the grandiose stuff and it's I don't know if it ever goes past Jesus right so if I just take that on a step a step further where we are in terms of worship now in the church at the pandemic how can we un- unveil Christ through our worship as we look to i guess start again or have a blank slate i mean do we just want to go back to what we did before do we want to do things differently how can we do that do you think well i mean i think every context is different but one of the things i would say um if we are going to unveil if we are going to um do it more like Jesus did it, then we have to accept a more full, fully orbed, uh, or what I sometimes call emotionally healthy uh, worship expression that includes everything from gratitude to the lament to um, just quiet surrender. You know, like, like there's... And when you look at the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, you see all of those things. You know, Jesus wept for suffering. Um, Jesus stepped into the middle of suffering. And our songs and our worship services should both symbolically and representatively uh, represent our whole life, right? And they should fuel and help us live the rest of the week out in a in the spirit of christ and so what we say what we sing of course what we sing is so incredibly important because we remember it right but if we never sing our sadness or our grief then we're saying when we experience those things that they're wrong or they're bad or they're you know and that's not the case it's part of what it means to be human even jesus experienced those things and jesus on the cross of course quoted one of the most powerful lament psalms in the bible psalm 22 my god my god and of course when a rabbi quotes a verse that means they're quoting the whole thing they're not just quoting even that even though they're quoting one you know and you look at that song anyway it's just it's crazy when you look at psalm 22 so I, I just want to be an advocate for those things for um you know this is there's a lot of tough things going on. I'm not saying that uh we shouldn't be singing songs of praise and songs of gratitude, but we've got to also in the midst of that also sing songs of honesty and and lament and model ourselves after how Jesus did it. You know, one of the things I, I think what's interesting about sometimes is we try and eliminate all the uh, the 
the paradox of how life actually works. We try and uh, just cut it all out. Let me, can, can I just read you this little quote here? I was just thinking of, it's by an author named Anne Lamont. And, um, and this is a little quote from her. I, I love this. She says, um, the first and truest thing is that all truth is a paradox. Life is both a precious, unfathomably beautiful gift and it's impossible here on the incar incarnational side of things. It's been a very bad match for those of us who were born extremely sensitive. And that's me. <laughs> it's so hard and weird that we sometimes wonder if we're being punked. It's filled simultaneously with heartbreaking sweetness and beauty, desperate poverty, floods, Babies, acne, and Mozart all swirl together. I don't think it's an ideal system. <laughs> and I remember when I read that, I went, oh, oh yeah, that's exactly how it works. And, and the, here's the thing, just let me add this one thing to that quote, is when we include lament, let's say, or those honest songs, in mix them in with our sets and our worship expression, we're affirming that we're not eliminating the paradox. We're, we're worshiping in the middle of it, right? Like, and that's the thing. Like, we're in the middle of this thing. We're all in this thing together, right? So it's what we do in the middle of it that matters. And I think we have to find ways in the middle of what we're going through to say we're not in this alone. We identify with suffering just like Jesus did. Um, but we also identify with hope also because of who Jesus is, right? It's that paradox. And I think sometimes, especially I would call more evangelical, charismatic kind of expressions of Christianity has tried to eliminate the paradox, has tried to say, it's just, it's just, it's just that, you know, it's like the local Christian radio station just across the line in the U.S. has a byline, you know, praise 1065 positive and uplifting and encouraging, right? It's like, it's like, well, could it, could you add an honest song into that mix? Could you add a lament? No way, you know, like, right? And I go, well, that's not real, right? Like... I don't know. I just think in the gospel, you see, you have hope, absolutely, but you have realness too, right? And and somehow, I think we're given, we're being given an opportunity. This whole thing is an opportunity for a little bit of a reset into something that's a little more honest and hopefully has has Jesus right in the center of it. And I, I, I still love singing that old. Uh, old, I call it now, Michael Fry song, which I helped kind of guide him through writing Jesus, be the center, you know, be the source, be my light, Jesus, you know, be the fire, you know, like, yes, Jesus. And then when we, when we walk with Jesus, we start, he's with us in all of the, all of life, all of the paradox of life. I think that really speaks to the now and the not yet that, you know, sits at the heart of the vineyard is the fact yes. that we believe we have access to the to the future powers in the age to come but at the same time we can't explain the pain and well we can explain it but we it, we we recognize its presence you know and gosh the psalms are full of lament like you say and um but as there's very much i think like a sort of victory victory 
like you said, sort of strain in worship, which sometimes can be from the larger groups. I'm not criticising them, but therefore it ends up sort of trickling down yeah. to the local church. And so I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a worship leader. I'm a pastor in the church. I think I know for myself, you think, well, if we sing a song of lament, are people, how are they going to receive it? And so I don't know how, in your experience, how... What are some of the good ways to introduce it or angles to approach it from? Yeah, well, and absolutely for people who are, um, uh, okay, this is going to sound a little blunt, but people who are addicted to sugar in their food diet and addicted to uh, expressions of certainty in their faith diet, a lament comes along and feels bitter, feels, um, it kind of like, what is this? Like, this doesn't taste sweet in my mouth like sugar. This doesn't taste, well, I mean, as we know, I mean, you've got to take those metaphors down the path, right? Like if you have a diet of only sugar, what's going to eventually happen to your health, right? Like you have to have a well-balanced, so, so I think it's a matter of, a um, teaching through sometimes through storytelling, sometimes through um, um, you know choosing certain themes or scriptures for a season, like and to uh, so say you're you're doing a series on worship. Well, then do a do include in that series, you know, the different elements of what worship is. That worship is not just ascent but it's descent worship is um expressions of grief and gratitude worship is you know like and 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 talk about the paradox of it talk about the honesty of it and then say you know in order to help us give voice to this we're gonna we're gonna sing this psalm you know that the church and people of faith have been singing for 3,000 years. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? Psalm 13 or whatever is one that I've done fairly often because it's a really, there's something about Psalm 13 that is very, um, yeah, universal in what the human experience is, right? Um, But know that it's going to be disorienting, you know. Um, But if we're See, the thing is, like, really hard things are happening in our lives, in our nations, in the world. And if people start getting a sense that when they show up to worship, that it's like, kind of like, you know, the blinders are put on. We see nothing, we hear nothing, you know. Eventually, we start losing credibility. We start losing, like... We start detaching from reality. Like we're going through a situation in Canada right now, a horrific situation where they uncovered the remains of all these indigenous children who were basically abused and neglected to death and then thrown into unmarked graves by Christian leaders in, in complicit with the government. So I've written a lament called 215 which was the alarm bell which was the number of the first discovery and it comes out on september the 10th and um i've played it a couple times live and when i play it especially to a christian audience they're like 
wow, that's powerful. But they have no, they don't know what to, it's disorienting, right? Because we're just not culturally used to acknowledging our pain through lament, which is incredibly unbiblical, right? Like, like there's so many examples of it. And then in history, of course, we see also lots of examples of protest songs against injustice, right? You know, the whole movement in the U.S. away from the lynching of blacks uh, and murder of blacks started uh, with a song called Strange Fruit, which was a protest song in the 1930s. In other words, us as leaders and artists have a responsibility to actually lead and not just follow the masses, you know? So I sometimes say to worship leaders and settings, like sometimes you have to feed your congregation not what it wants, but what it needs. You actually have to be a leader. You actually have to say, actually, in this season, we need more of this to be healthy. I once heard someone describe it a bit like, it's fine to eat, take away every so often it's tasty and it's 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 good but you need to have a diet you need to be basing it on a diet of home cooking otherwise you know you get you get bloated and etc so and you know we've as i was telling you we've been on a real journey of of homegrown songs and i always think you you would never just play a preach from a different church every week no you, you know when i preach and when anyone preaches you, you really listen to God and you say, God, what are you saying to us in this moment? And I always think, I find it bizarre that worship has somehow been detached from that approach. And so uh, we've, had some, we've had some really amazing songs written the last 12 months in the church. Wonderful. That I think I, I have I this, this sort of, Jeff, who's our worship pastor, wrote an amazing song from Habakkuk, you know, and uh, we did one of those things where it was in when we were locked down. So we had like a video with all the worship team. You know, we did that whole thing. And it, there was this, it, it does feel like God has been speaking in, into that, you know, through us. I've been, I recently wrote a song from Job and I've never written a song from Job before. I mean, I don't try and read it that often because it just, you know, it, it's, it's difficult. But there's the fame, I didn't include this line in the song, but there's the line where he says, though you slay me still, you know, I will praise you. And I sort of think, wow, I don't really know what to do with that, but I feel like I should do something with that because it's so important for us right now. Yeah, and I, I've always I've said for years that I think that a, a local church's uh, repertoire of songs should be um, at least, if possible, half original and half imported. And obviously, there's some there's some important songs that are used around the world that that can be really beneficial. But you also have to recognize. And I was talking with a, a, a vineyard pastor from New Zealand about this a few months ago, and we were describing how certain songs, these worship leaders that are super popular from other movements, they, they the worship leaders, it's just kind of easy. Are these popular? I'll just sing these songs. I said, but these songs are like. Uh, pardon the expression, but they're like Trojan horses because they come in as a song, but they actually carry culture. They carry values. They carry uh, worldviews that may be completely different and even opposed to what your values. So 
what you have to do is use your discernment and do everything you can to write as much of your repertoire as possible. Now, the challenge is writing a good song is not easy. And it requires gifting, talent, and lots of training and input. And uh, that's one of my personal passions, right? I, I teach on songwriting because I, I go, I want to multiply more and more people and more and more, whether it's a church context or even like folk singer songwriters or pop arts, I want them to be able to say, what is my unique contribution and what am how am I seeing the world and how can I put it this into a song and so yeah I I I super I'm super pumped to hear that you guys are doing that and uh I'd say keep going and get input but keep writing it's just so important well we've got our hopefully our next album uh which has been a suffered from a covid delay but thank, hopefully coming up um I'm going to start wrapping up soon because I don't take up too much of your time, but we're, we're blessed in the church to have a whole lot of creative people, not just in music. You know, we have artists and all sorts of folk. We've done some online creative evenings in lockdown where we just got people together and said, you can come and you can sew and you can knit or you could draw. And and so I would love just as we you know begin to close, if there's any encouragement or if there's any uh, wisdom that you would share for creative folks as we sit in this season it almost feels like we're a, of a maybe in a bit of an in-between season now as we come out of the pandemic and we don't really fully know what yet is coming what would be just some words of encouragement for them as they express themselves creativity right well i mean first of all i would say that everything that you do to embody um your love, your faith is is a beautiful thing, and however it is, you know you are gifted. I am I am like a terrible artist as far as visual arts and stuff. Like I'm a I'm a music and a melody and a words guy, but maybe some you know some of you listening to this are are very tactile. You know maybe you work with physical uh, elements of pottery or painting or yeah like knitting or and and I think it's finding it's finding and trusting that in those acts when we do them with love and almost like tuning in like we talked before about a breath prayer like whether it's it's the breath or the hand on a substance that when it's done with love God is in that act the presence of God is there. It doesn't need to be on a stage. It doesn't need to be in front of a microphone. It just needs to be embodied, right? And so when we do, and if we're made in the image of a creator, when we're creating, we feel an intimacy and we experience an intimacy with our maker that that only comes, I think, when we're creating. And I would say it's like when we serve, we experience an intimacy with our servant, the capital S servant, with Jesus the servant. It's like when we when we do those things that are in line with God's nature and character, we experience love, we experience revelation. And, you know, we need just such diversity in the way we express these things, right? I I'm I'm married to uh, a woman who we've been married for almost 37 years 
and we're so completely different and she's much more the tactile and practical and working with things in and around the house and food and you know all of these and gardens and dirt in the dirt and all of that stuff and and i'm i'm a little bit more in my head and imagining and dreaming and sitting at my piano and writing words and walking and think you know and and we just we need each other desperately so each of you never um never doubt how important your expression is and never um doubt that god wants to inhabit you know the expression god inhabits the praises of his people don't think of it in terms of loud singing with a big group of people think about your praises as working with that piece of cloth and just enjoying the feel of that cloth in your hands or the clay in your hands or or the or the the paint on your paintbrush or whatever it is or or if you're even like just practical things like if you're a mechanic or you work you're fixing things or you're you're working with a tool or whatever or you're working in the kitchen you're kneading dough as you make bread every action every thought is like if it's done in love it's like a it's like an expression of praise or delight and god inhabits that so god can inhabit everything we do right and i have to believe that because you know i have a i have a special needs son isaiah who's 22 and he has no words and he can't do anything that traditional Christians would think of as an expression of faith. But he is amazing at giving and receiving love. He he gets up in the morning and he seeks me out and he hugs me. And then he kind of chuckles about something and he runs away. And then I, I give him his snack and and he's so thankful. And he, he blows me a kiss as he runs down the stairs. To me, all oh, that's like, the presence of God in my house right there in my son right like I'm experiencing it so it just just be open right it's it's all around us and it's through what we're doing what we're saying and even in every breath we take wow well I don't think there's much more I can add Brian that's such a great place for us to wrap up thank you for your time thank you for your songs that we sing still in, in our church you know that they, they minister to us uh Thank you for sharing about your family and just, you know, what God's speaking to you. Um, pandemic allowing, we'd love to host you one day in Newcastle, you know, in the Northeast. You know, I would, I, we, my wife and I lived in England for two and a half years. We have so many dear friends. We love it. We love, we miss it. It's like, oh, you know, I've, and I've actually never been in Newcastle. So you 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 invite me i'm i'm sure we're going to work it out come because i would love to love to join you one day some of you will be listening to this on the podcast but for those of you watching just to let you know that brian's bottle collection is is he is a brewer of kombucha which is not is not a big thing in the uk or at least not to my knowledge but it's like a sort of like a a tea drink that ferments and so yeah just in case you're wondering uh we might become the first church in the UK that 
shares kombucha on a Sunday morning. You know, now we've been inspired by Brian. Um, Who knows? Stranger things have happened. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks, Brian. Blessings to you. And uh, we look forward to, to speaking to you again. Yes. Thanks so much for having me.